0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It obviously wasn't pretty for BYU on Saturday in the 44-11 loss to TCU. Where does BYU go from here? Well, we're talking about what I learned through a rewatch of BYU's loss, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all ahead on today's show. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports, and a big thank you for your support. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked College for $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's get right to it on today's show, BYU BYU having to rebound in a big way this week as they welcome Texas Tech to Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday night. It's homecoming for BYU, but they are going to have to uh, drag themselves up because they got absolutely manhandled at TCU on Saturday. Now, uh, I did a postcast edition of the show, kind of laid down what I thought went wrong in that one for BYU, and frankly... Uh, Seemingly everything went wrong uh, for BYU in that one. But today on the show, uh, we do what we like to call Film Review Monday right here on the podcast. I had a chance to go back and rewatch the entirety of the game. Uh, and I took away a lot of the same stuff I took away from the postcast edition of the show. But I did see a few positives. Uh, despite uh, the lackluster showing across the board for BYU, there were a few glimmers of hope as it were for BYU. Now, uh, first one. Uh, let me grab my phone here. Number one. The run game had its moments in this game, and it's more to do with the running backs making individual plays, speaking of both L.J. Martin as well as Miles Davis, than anything else. They are seemingly uh, willing themselves to pick up good yards. Both of them averaged four or more yards per carry in the limited carries they got after BYU fell behind big. Obviously, BYU's going to be throwing the ball more in that circumstance, but I did see some flashes uh, from BYU's run game. It's not perfect, it's not going to be something BYU can rely on, I feel like, maybe for the entirety of the season, but there are flashes every now and again of BYU being being able to get some positive and solid run yardage. Hopefully at some point it may break through, but at this point I'm not counting anything as a guarantee. I like Keelan Marion as a a kick returner for BYU. Had a couple of ones that were questionable, also had some very, very nice kick returns. He is a very savvy and smooth runner when it comes to setting up his blocks in that circumstance. I thought that was a positive. Chase Roberts, he was far and away BYU's best wide receiver. He actually won some one-on-one battles, unlike other wide receivers on BYU's roster. I thought Parker Kingston was probably the second best receiver for BYU on the day. Everybody else, uh, Darius Lassiter, Keelan Marion, Isaac Rex, uh, Cody Epps. Just didn't have it for whatever reason. Did they get locked up? Are they unable to get off one on one coverage? Uh, I don't know, but it just was not good enough uh, from the other wide receivers for BYU. Chase Roberts, far and away the best guy there. Eddie Heckard, his interception was very, very good. Rewatching it on tape once again, very impressed with that young man, uh, his ability to bring down that one handed interception. The sad part was BYU turned it right back over two plays later. Or it was a three plays later uh, when Keaton Slovis got that strip sack. But I also thought uh, Eddie Heckard, similar to Chase Roberts, was BYU best cornerback on the day. I'm not saying that he was perfect because Chase wasn't perfect at wide receiver. Neither was Eddie Heckard at cornerback. But the other cornerbacks around him seemingly just uh, could not uh, get it done. Jacob Robinson, Maury Bamba. They brought Jacob Boren in at one point. They were playing Evan uh, Johnson uh, uh, late in this game. They they brought in a number of corners to see if they could find an option. Uh, Caleb Christensen came in in that nickel role. I thought Eddie was the best corner, and the sad part was the other corners just couldn't uh, uh, match up with him. Ethan Slate, I thought, had a, a pretty Pretty solid bounce-back game for BYU in this one. Now, you want an indication of how th- rough things were for BYU. If you look at the box score, BYU's leading two tacklers on the game were both safeties, one being Ethan Slade, the other being Preston Rex. You never, I mean never, never, wants your safety to be your leading tacklers in a game. That means that they are breaking into the secondary, speaking of the opposing team, far too often. And the last line of defense for a defense is the safety group, and they have to bring those guys down. And I think it was eight tackles a-, a pop for both uh, Rex as well as Slade. But I thought Ethan Slade had a bounce-back effort. Uh, the other thing is BYU got carved up in the passing game. Uh, 447 yards, or whatever it was, of the 580 uh, that TCU picked up. I did see BYU's run fits in rush defense at times. Look better than they have in a hot minute. Like I said, it was not perfect. None of this was perfect. I, I'm, I'm, and maybe I'm even just stretching to find some positives for BYU. But I saw BYU's rush defense; uh, it showed uh, some teeth at times. Now. Like I said, few and far between, especially when your secondary and your linebacking core is getting carved up the way they were by Josh Hoover. Uh, it's hard to really say, oh, well, that was a good effort because there was a lack of reps in terms of that. But there were times where BYU's rush defense actually was very, very solid, I thought. And then the final thing I've got from the positive is just thank goodness this game is over. You can turn your attention now and get ready for Texas Tech, and you have to do that. You there. There is no dwelling on this. Uh, Keaton Slovis said in the post-game press conference, we cannot afford this loss to TCU to turn into two losses, speaking of a second loss, because of a hangover effect uh, against Texas Tech. And then, by the way, Keaton also, I, I appreciate him saying, it starts with me. Keaton Slovis was, I believe it was PFF if I'm not mistaken, he was the worst-rated Power 5 quarterback of the 69 Power 5 quarterbacks yesterday. That's not a good place to be if you're Keaton Slovas. And he knows he was not good. You could hear it in his voice. The other concern is he took some major shots in this game, and he took some time getting up from a couple of them. I wonder if he's a little dinged up right now after that game. And The question is to be monitoring uh, how he feels, obviously, in the week ahead. Now, obviously, as a quarterback, you don't necessarily need to take every single rep to be ready for a game. And Keaton's such a veteran player that he could take a quote-unquote veteran day uh, and uh, rest up a little bit. But uh, I would expect if if he's good and I don't have any reason to I think he's not he'll be out there against Texas Tech but it is uh, worth monitoring uh, for him hopefully he is he is hundred percent physically all right so that's the good that's why they have to pull out of that that's not much good there's plenty of bad there's plenty of ugly and we will get to all of that uh, coming up here momentarily as we talk more about what's going on uh, with BYU first a word on our friends over at game time we talked about them in the opening today's show but the thing is game time wants to make it easy for you guys to get your tickets to your game all of us had that moment where you're like oh I want to go to that concert I to go to that comedy show I want to go to that sporting event no matter what it is Game Time has got the answer for you guys with killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and their best price guarantee Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets my friends it's that simple all you got to do is go onto the Game Time app and uh, check out all the different events upcoming in your area you said it's Salt Lake City it pops up with comedy shows like I said sporting events uh, theater all the different things you may be interested in concerts and the like and they've got the options for you guys to get those tickets so get out and enjoy the the events that you want to go to faster and for free. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour before it starts. It's the best place to find last minute deals with our friends at game time. So download the game time app. Now create an account and use the promo code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the promo code locked on college. That's L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, Guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Now, PrizePix is here uh, to help you guys out, have some fun with Daily Fantasy. It's the largest independently owned Daily Fantasy sports platform in North America. The best part of Daily, for, daily Fantasy sports in this circumstance, my friends, is you don't have to compete against hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. It's simply you versus the numbers and you can win up to 25 times the money you put up uh, with us uh, at Prize Picks this football season. You just pick two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and Place your entry simple as that. You think it might be more complicated? It really isn't. You pick more or less. You also can do between two and six players as well if you want to get on with it that way. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit your entry in less than 60 seconds, and you're on with the day. Set it and forget it in many respects. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types that are what make Prize Picks the number one at Daily Fantasy Sports app. So get on it today, my friends, and have some fun with it. Uh, go to prizepickscom slash lockedoncollege and use the promo code lockedoncollege for a free. First deposit match of up to $100. Put $100 up, get $100 for free. It's simple as that, my friends. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnCollege and get started today using that promo code LockedOnCollege for that first deposit match of up to $100. Check it out. It's PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day, my friends. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday uh, despite the loss for BYU. I want to remind you guys, coming up on Friday, it's Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Check it out wherever you get uh, your podcast. It's also available on YouTube Live. It goes across all the Locked On College channels uh, live, and it's a really, really fun show. It's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. Mountain Time. goes for an hour covering all the storylines going in to each week of college football. So check it out. It's Locked On College football kickoff live. All right. Uh, We talked about the good for BYU. Now let's talk about the bad. Uh, BYU, for whatever reason, delayed blitzes from TCU in this game wreaked havoc for BYU. And I call it a delayed blitz. It's more like a delayed stunt in a way. Jamoy Hodge, I think, was the most notable. Uh, He was uh, wheeling around as the the backside middle linebacker for uh, TCU. He would almost pause just for a second, let the other uh, defensive linemen engage, and then he'd wheel around. And for whatever reason, BYU was unable. to pick it up. It caused the pick six. It also caused, I believe, the, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly on my notes, I had the uh, the intentional grounding was a similar type blitz and for whatever BYU, for whatever reason, BYU's offensive line was unable uh, to pick that up. I look forward to having Connor Pay on this show on Wednesday and I am going to ask him that question. What was the reason for that? It was just something that just in terms of passing guys off. We will get his response to that. I also just want to get his feeling on the game as well. So that would be a Wednesday edition of the show on that. Okay. Malik Moore. I feel bad for this kid, but he's, uh, he is a, a prisoner of his own doing, in a way. He goes out against Arkansas, takes a bad angle, and a poor tackle attempt on Arkansas's first rushing touchdown. I Many of you recall, after that, he was benched, and he was never seen or heard from again for the next two games. Well, in the circumstance BYU found themselves in, in the game against TCU, you had Tanner Wall out to an undisclosed injury, so therefore, they put Malik Moore back in the lineup, and then he goes out, he makes a big hit on TCU's uh, first, first, First offensive touchdown, but does not wrap up. And we never saw him again. He has got a very short leash. He's been given multiple opportunities at this point. And for whatever reason, he just does not want to wrap up when it comes to tackling. And Jay Hill will not let that stand. He cannot abide that happening in his defense. And he yanked uh, Malik Moore, and we never saw him after that Um, the throwaway on a third down early on in this game it was kind of baffling to me in the moment going back and watching it BYU had wide receivers on the left side of the field so the the near side from the camera angle uh, running routes the right side where the play was supposed to go to those wide receivers were blocking If it was supposed to be a screen play uh, for the running back and that was Deion Smith but Deion Smith ran an arrow route out of the backfield to the opposite side of the field and then uh, you see Keaton Slovis kind of scramble around hope a guy decides that or not decides realizes what's going on and makes tries to find himself open, but they didn't know what was going on. He had to throw it out of bounds and BYU punts away. How are these communication issues still there for BYU six games into this year? It'll forever baffle me. Uh, other things, uh, BYU had a smoke screen. remember? Uh, they threw the ball to the outside. All three receivers on that side of the field were blocking. The one guy, I don't know who was assigned to catch the football, for whatever reason, did not get that call, and all three of them decided to block and not catch the pass. It's just there are so many baffling things from this game. Uh, on special teams, they had a holding call, a kick-catch interference, one shanked punt, one tipped punt on special teams, and nearly one one or two others i'd say two one was a little closer than the other one uh, in terms of blocked punts for BYU on special teams uh, ryan rico uh, he's got to he's got to get obviously that punt off maybe a little bit quicker but at the same time byu's protection unit for whatever reason was getting overwhelmed and credit to tcu they saw something on film and they exploited it byu cannot afford to have the turnovers uh, not the turnovers the penalties that they had in special teams either they're just not you just can't have that other thing, Keaton Slovis, his processing and analyzing this game slowed way down as it's felt like after the early pick six and a couple of the failures he had on the first. he had five drives, by the way, folks, in the first quarter alone. And they netted a grand total of, let's see, uh, it was twenty some twenty-seven yards, something like that. It was just brutal. Brutal stats from the first quarter alone, and I felt like at that point, after that, he was seeing ghosts. His processing of getting the diagnosis of a play and getting that ball out, it just it slowed down. It was something he had been very good about in uh, the back-to-back games before the bye against Kansas and as well as Cincinnati. But in this game, it just it slowed down and it looked more like, and I don't I mean to invoke this, but he looked more like the pit uh, Keaton Slovis versus what we had seen from him at BYU this year. He has got to be better. He admitted as much. He knows that he has to improve. It just wasn't good enough. And the other thing about this is the longest play, quote-unquote, I, I put it in quotations, for BYU 22 minutes in the game, so about eight minutes to go in this game, BYU gets the ball back, the longest play from scrimmage, if you want to call it that, was a 15-yard pass interference uh, penalty for Cody Epps. BYU could not get going in this game, and they never really did. That's the tough part to absorb for this is BYU never to really any meaningful degree outside of one drive in that first half where they went down and got the lone touchdown they scored on the game. uh, A big play by Chase Roberts in that circumstance, and obviously him catching the two-point conversion as well uh, as that drive ended, were huge plays. But there was one thing that uh, killed, I felt like, every single bit of momentum after BYU got that touchdown because there's a, a critical part of the game that... Like, coaches will tell you that if you uh, have a chance to get the ball back after halftime, let's say you defer to the second half, if you get a chance before halftime to score, uh, get points on the board, and then go to halftime, come back out and get points again, in many ways, it's like a dagger effect. It it, it, It ends games more often than not. What did BYU allow to happen yesterday? Well, they allowed a touchdown just before halftime, and they also allowed one just after halftime that, for all intents and purposes, killed this game. And I hate to point to one play, and one player in particular, but there was a chance for BYU to gain some momentum, and a boneheaded mistake, and many of you know where I'm going to go with this, happened shortly after BYU tried to get some of momentum back, and the tough part was it was one moment, one boneheaded mistake, and it cost BYU dearly. In this game, we'll talk about that as we get to the ugly. There's more than that just in the ugly, but we'll get to all that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Let's get a word in on our friends over at Athletic Brewing real quick. Let's talk about uh, what they're doing uh, to revolutionize the near beer game. Our friends over at Athletic Brewing, uh, of course, for the Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company, much like, I'm going to give it to Chase Roberts this week because I think he was far and away BYU's best offensive weapon in this game. Uh, our good friends at Athletic Brewing are the game changers of the Athletic—not uh, the Athletic Brewing—they are the game changers of the non-alcoholic beer game. The thing about Chase Robertson in this game is BYU was struggling, and he did everything within his power. It felt like to give BYU a chance. He won uh, more of his uh, one-on-one battles than any other receiver on the field, and while all other guys quote-unquote no showed in this game, he showed up. So, got to give him the game changer of the week. And that's where our friends at Athletic Brewing—they have completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game—and they want you guys. To to get a chance to try it out, their brews are great tasting and award winning, and they beat out full strength beers in global competitions. Think about that non uh, non alcoholic beer beating out full strength beer in international competitions. They have over fifty unique uh, styles of craft non alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden sours, and many, many more. The best part is they are available anywhere, anytime. They are quote unquote. Fit for all times, you can watch a big game, enjoy your kids' game, tackling uh, work during the day, even working out—it's all uh, capable of being done with our friends at Athletic Brewing. So go to athleticbrewing.com and check it out, or stop by your local store and get them in person. Or if you want to go online, you can use the promo code Locked On for fifteen percent off your online order. That's promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N at checkout for fifteen percent off at athleticbrewing.com for your first-time customers. Near beer exclusions and conditions apply that's athletic brewing company fit for all times the NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day, my friends. Hope uh, once again that you're having a a great Monday. Hope you have a great week ahead, hopefully. And hopefully BYU has a good week ahead, good uh, week of preparation. Obviously, you can come back out and bounce back from that loss against TCU. It it, it should be a wake-up call for this football program. If it's not, that's where I'd be concerned is if they allow this to linger and it casts a pall over the rest of the season. But let's get real quick to the ugly Uh, For BYU in this game. Uh, BYU allowed third down conversions of 11, 7, 7, 10, 10. And uh, another 7 yard uh, third down conversion. They allowed 12 of 19 overall in this game. You are not going to win many football games. Where your opponent converts well over 50% of their their third down conversions. Especially when, as I count, let's see. One, two, six of those 12 are 7 yards or longer. Those are the downs where you're supposed to win as a defense. And BYU could not get off the football field. It's an indictment on this BYU defense. They could not get pressure on Josh Hoover. you got to give a tip of the cap to TCU and their offensive line. They knew that they had a first-time starting quarterback, and they wanted to keep him clean. And uh, to their credit, they did just that. And Josh Hoover, by the way, manipulated the pocket, moved up in it, uh, scrambled out of it at times, uh, picked up yardage when it was afforded to him. He was very very sharp for his first career start. And he was not perfect by any means. BYU had four tipped balls in this game, had a couple of interceptions, etc. But it just seemingly had very little impact in the ultimate outcome of this game because when he was on point, BYU could do nothing about it. The other thing is BYU had the RPO slant uh, being just drilled into them time after time by Josh Hoover. They could not defend it. And it kind of goes back to the cornerbacks for BYU. Didn't matter who they put out there seemingly outside Eddie Heckard, nobody really could get anybody uh, to, to just break up a pass. It was tough tough sledding for BYU, and uh, it's the tough part about when you have everything going in your offense. What are you trying to pick on? What are you going to try and uh, take away from an opponent? It just did not work for BYU. Uh, other thing is the O-line, I talked about the twists and stunts earlier. They just got absolutely uh, killed by them. Uh, they hadn't had this happen really since the first game against Sam Houston. It was like they hadn't seen it all season long, but they have seen it. That's the tough part to absorb if you're a BYU offensive lineman, is a lot of simple stuff. you got to be able to uh, get guys off of one another. Now, did the John Dumbled uh, lineup on the interior of BYU's offensive line with Connor Pay moving to center and Paul Miley at left guard and Waylon Lapuaho at right guard. Just were the calls not being relayed as typical uh, because they'd played the other five games with a different lineup. Maybe so, but it's gotta be better. It, you, you gotta be better on that part. Uh, where was Isaac Rex? I saw two targets for him in this game. He caught one of them, obviously, and gained all of one yard. Where is your big star tight end? This guy's got NFL future written all over him, and he was just bottled up in this game. That's That's ugly. You cannot have that happen not to have him show up. I mentioned earlier the five possessions in the first quarter, 17 yards, four punts and a pick six. They never crossed the 30, uh, their own 30, excuse me, in the first quarter. Brutal, brutal stuff, but that brings me to the last part. BYU does get some momentum back, seemingly. It was was not much, but it was just a little bit. They score the touchdown. Chase Roberts makes it a fantastic catch, great hands catch on the two-point conversion. BYU is down 24-8. to In theory, it's a two-score game because you're 16 points. You can get two two two-point conversions after touchdowns and tie this game up in theory. The tough part is... Uh, BYU kicks it away with about three minutes to go in this half. BYU's defense it feels like kind of rose to the occasion as best they probably had all game long. And they're battling. They get to a second and I think it was second and ten and Crew Wakeley has a wide receiver kind of bobble the ball and he helped usher it in out of bounds and it was an incomplete pass. And he gets up and he jumps right over the top of the guy and goes with the the, the, the incomplete motion with his hands outstretched over that uh, over that opponent. Was it a Relatively innocuous celebration, yes it was, but you cannot celebrate over the top of an opponent, especially, and I mean especially, in front of the official. The official saw it, said, you know what, That no, we ain't having that. Tosses the flag, unsportsmanlike conduct, 15 yards, automatic first down for TCU. What might have happened? I know that I said BYU had given up six uh, conversions of seven yards or longer on third down. But what might have happened? Because BYU was battling, like I said, on that series. What might have happened in that third and ten scenario? Could BYU have gotten a stop there, gets the ball back, and maybe has about two minutes to work with? Can they get down the field once again and add at least three points on a field goal or get a touchdown? How different would this game have been had that penalty not taken place? Because TCU punished BYU afterwards, goes down and punches in and makes it 31-8, to comes Uh, back out after halftime after BYU was able to do anything with their final possession of the first half. Comes back out after halftime, goes right down the field, punches it in. It's, uh, what was that at that point? It was 38-8 to at that point, and it was all she wrote, folks. Those are killer, killer moments in games. There's not a lot of them in any given game. A lot of coaches will tell you there's between 5 and maybe 10 plays at the very most that really uh, the game hinges on those moments. That was one of those moments. You cannot have that happen. And I feel bad for Crew Wakely. I'm sure he felt awful about it in the moment and having hurt his teammates, but you cannot you cannot have that type of stuff happening. BYU needs to be smarter than this. We all know that BYU does not have Alabama or LSU or, heck, even Ole Miss-level type players. They don't even have TCU-type level players uh, based on the result we saw on Saturday. The one thing BYU has always seemingly had an edge in all the decades of I've watched BYU football and there are many of you who watch and or listen to this podcast who are older than I am that will, I think, attest to this going back even further. One thing BYU was always, they would never beat themselves. They were smart. They were heady. They would use their their minds uh, and, and set themselves apart in that regard. Being smart is a big part of successful football teams. The one thing BYU has done this year... Is they've been relatively clean with regards to penalties. Gregor Bell tweeted this out. BYU's top 25 ranks of the season, they're 11th in net punt, 17th in defensive interceptions, 21st in fewest penalty yards per game. So they're not killing themselves, but in that circumstance, it was a killer for BYU. They're also 24th in turnover margin. The tough part is BYU's offensive rankings and some of these defensive rankings are in the bottom 25 of. College football, 107th in possession time, 121st in total offense, 122nd in team sacks, 124th in third down conversion, 125th in team tackles for loss, 129th in rush yards per game. Folks, there's only 133 teams in all of FBS uh, this year. BYU's fourth worst in rush yards per game. And oh, by the way, they're 130th in yards per rush on the season. Those are some ugly Ugly spots to be sitting for BYU and it feels like there was a lot of hope and momentum that was cast out the window after this loss to TCU. Can you recapture it? Can you go out there and say that was a one-off? Can We, we need to move past it. Let's burn the tape and we're looking forward here. I hope they are capable of doing that because if they don't, if they put the same type of effort they put against TCU up the rest of the season, I hate to say it, but BYU is going to lose out the rest of the year. That type of effort, that luck effort, that effort that looks like it has very little to no heart in it, you will not win another football game this season. I refuse to believe that BYU is going to capitulate at this point. I believe that Kalani Sitake will get his guys going. He will go and light a fire under their you know what, this week, and I hope they can come out and really prove something. They'll be under the lights at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's a little earlier kickoff. It's a 5 o'clock kickoff, but the lights still will be on at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. If that's what it takes to get BYU players going and get them under the lights and bounce back in a big way, I hope it actually happens, because they cannot afford to have that type of an effort. If that's going to be the the norm for BYU the rest of the year it's going to be a long rest of the season folks and those four wins might be the only four of the season they could very easily lose out if they have the same type of effort they had against TCU but let let me reiterate I do not and I cannot accept that BYU will do that I believe that they will bounce back and I hope they do it as soon as this week against TCU now couple other notes real quick before we go on today's show. Uh that was uh BYU by the way has only won twice in Fort Worth. They won back in the 1980s in 19, let's see, what was that? 19 uh oh geez. I, no there it is. Uh Man, I'm screwing this up here. Uh, BYU won in 1996 in Fort Worth. Obviously, the 14-1 team went to Fort Worth and won that game. The only other time BYU has won in Fort Worth is the famed 2006 game with John Beck under center. Since then, they have lost – uh, since and before that, they have lost every other game they have played in Fort Worth, and they are currently on a five-game losing streak to TCU. And uh, the hope is BYU can find a way uh, to reverse the curse of M&G Carter, it feels like, at some point. Uh, but – Uh, They're going to have to wait a while because it feels like it may be a little bit before BYU makes a return trip to Fort Worth. We'll see what this conference schedules uh, shake out like uh, going forward uh, beyond this year, but uh, we'll see on that front. All right, uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, That's the football side of things. Now a couple of quick notes for you guys before we go. Uh, Congratulations to number 9 ranked BYU Women's Volleyball. They got a a weekend back-to-back pair of wins over Texas Tech at the Smith Fieldhouse. Uh, They won in five sets on Friday night, then swept uh, the Red Raiders, you on Saturday night, they're back in action at home coming up Thursday and Friday of this week as they welcome number 25-ranked Iowa State to the Smith Fieldhouse. Both of those matches begin at 7 o'clock. They'll be streamed on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Uh, BYU uh, Women's Cross Country, the 6th-ranked Cougars, uh, won the Cross Country 23 Pre-Nationals Invitational out in Virginia over the weekend. The number 3-ranked BYU men's uh, Cross Country team uh, faced off against 21 of the top 30 teams in the entirety of call, uh, Cross Country country this year at the uh, Nutty Comb Invitational. They did, th- did lose to top-ranked and defending national champion Northern Arizona, but the number 3-ranked Cougars finished second in a, uh, a- it was horrid conditions uh, based on what I was reading for BYU, so, but a sh- solid showing uh, for BYU uh, in the rain and muck up there in Wisconsin, so congratulations to them. And then the final note for you guys, is if you did not see it over the weekend, BYU men's basketball has been picked 13th in the inaugural season that they will play in the Big 12 in men's basketball that's 13 out of 14 teams the only team worse than them in that poll is UCF the Cougars had 29 points uh, very well behind uh, number 12 Oklahoma with 54 points Uh, UCF had 14 points meaning that UCF was unanimously the last ranked uh, team in this but the thing about this is uh, apparently Ken Pomeroy who lives in Utah He's more bullish on BYU according to his metrics right now. The initial Ken Palmore projections for this year's Big Twelve have BYU going nine and nine in conference. That's middle of the conference, folks. Uh, that'd be very impressive if they can do that. He also has them ranked. Uh, let's see, thirty sixth. No, 35th, Excuse me, thirty fifth uh, in the entirety of the country according to his adjusted metrics. That's. That's encouraging. If those metrics are true, and Ken Palmory uh, gets paid big money to do what he does, folks, there are people who just, uh, they, multiple programs out there pay him big money for these analytics. If his analytics are right about BYU, being picked 13th. Is not uh, uh, indicative of where BYU actually is going to finish. We'll see which one is right. Are they middle of the table? Because nine and nine had them, according to what Ken Palm had, had them as the upper part of the bottom tier, if that makes sense. So there's 14 teams. I think they were like seventh or eighth in the in the with that nine and nine record, if that holds true. But then being 35th best in the country, that's an encouraging number for BYU. That means there's a lot of other Big 12 teams who are very very good as well. But uh, we'll see what happens. Very interesting numbers. I'm going to dig into them some more. I'm going I'm to have to reach out to Ken. I know him very, fairly well. Maybe we can get him on this podcast and he can explain uh, why his metrics are so bullish on BYU men's basketball because uh, I can tell you just the sense that I have for BYU men's basketball as well as you out there in the fan base does not feel like uh, BYU's middle tier. I think that 13th out of the 14 the uh is about where you expected to be if you're BYU. But we'll see. So we'll, we'll see if we can get Ken on the show and have him uh, kind of explain the rationale and where things stand in his mind for BYU men's basketball. All right, so there you go. Packed show busy show and a big thank you once again uh, for joining us as always. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day as always. Whenever you watch this morning, noon, night, uh, it goes up at midnight Mountain Time. If you watch it right after it goes live, or if you watch it right before you go bed on right before you go to bed on Monday evening, getting ready for Tuesday. No matter when you watch and or consume it, thank you for your support of the podcast. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day, and then of course, thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast as well. Until tomorrow, my friends. Uh, Hopefully better days ahead for BYU men's football. And we'll talk about that, obviously, every single day right here on Locked On Cougars. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.